재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Some years ago I started calling myself Ginger Peter Sherlock Rosemary Emmanuel The Archbishop of Canterbury You may know me better as The Real Slim Shady Rumoured to be the new signing for Westminster and the Thames. And I just love to ride horses. But only if the Banjo Union Bolt has been corrected. First chapter. It is time again for first chapter. We read you an excerpt from a different book every Sunday morning, usually from the exposition. Today I'll be reading from Kwang Hae by Yi Chuho and Hwang Jo Yun. The novel Kwang Hae is based on Kwang Hae Gun, the 15th monarch of the Joseon dynasty who reigned in the early 17th century. When the monarch falls ill in the middle of a fierce political struggle, his right-hand man, Hwang Yun, hires an actor to sit in while he retreats to convalesce. Released under the English title Masquerade in 2012, the film version of Kwang Hae featured Lee Byung-hun, Ryu Seung-ryong, and Han Hyo-ju as the leading actors. Writer Lee Ju-ho is known for his meticulously researched mystery novel set in the Joseon dynasty, and his co-writer, Hwang Cho-yun, is a screenwriter best known for the Park chan film Old Boy. In the excerpt I'll read today, the king meets his double for the first time. I'll be back with the story after Shadow Boxer by Fiona Apple. Kwang Hae by Lee Ju-ho and Hwang Jo-yun Kwang Hae's Shadow One thing and one thing alone occupied Kwang Hae's mind as he sat on the throne. He who had the gall to poison me might be in this palace right this minute. The hypocrite speaks of loyalty and piety at a place such as this where the will of the people is advocated but their insides are crawling with schemes to murder me, the king. Kwang Hae struggled with the urge to hang his vassals, all of them, by their ankles and question each. The powerful cries of the Confucian scholars reached the office hall. Kwang Hae heard evil in the voices of the scholars who implored him, whose brows knitted and beards twitched with anger. The officials flanked Kwang Hae on both sides as the minister of law entreated in a resounding voice, Your Highness, do you not hear their cries? We await your wisdom. Those who sided with the minister of law joined in. Voices everywhere demanded his wisdom. Hwang Yun, who had remained quiet until now, interjected. No, Your Highness, if accusations are made based on mere hearsay, the court will fall into greater confusion. Watch your tongue, Royal Chief Secretary, the Minister of Defense retorted angrily. How dare you undermine the apprehensions and appeals of the vassals as hearsay? I beg your pardon, but the court is chasing rumors instead of tending to pressing issues of the country, and the rumors have not been vetted. What could possibly be more pressing than treason? 
The Minister of Works also chimed in. Your Highness, Yu Zhongho is a dangerous man. He is conspiring against you while using Her Highness as a shield. Please give us the order. No, Your Highness, it would not be too late if he received his sentence after the alleged crime has been investigated. The king watched his officials quarrel. They seemed like dogs wrestling in the mud. They growled, snapped, and clawed at each other. The same scene unfolded with every new policy, every new bill. Kwang He felt sick to the stomach. The king quietly left the assembly hall. The officials followed. The front yard of the assembly hall was blanketed with white shirts, as though lilies were in full bloom in the palace pond. The Confucian scholars had flocked to the assembly hall and awaited the king with their heads on the ground. One scholar in the front lifted his head. Yu Zhongho is the man behind an egregious conspiracy, Your Highness. You must punish him immediately. Cries of entreaty echoed through the assembly hall and stung Kuang He's ear. The scholars' voices grew louder. On the brink of vexation, Kuang He raised his hand to signal the drums that silenced them all. I have studied your appeals. I will discuss it with my officials and come to a decision. So return to your noble duties. Kuang He was about to climb down the stairs, trailing a swarm of officials behind him when the scholars threw themselves in his path. I entreat you, Your Highness. Your Highness, if you must go, step on the backs of the Confucian scholars. Yu Zhongho deserves grave punishment. Kuang He found himself ambushed by the scholars, unable to retreat or advance. Kuang He felt like an island floating in a vast ocean. His queen looked on from a distance. I see they're trying to kill my one remaining brother. The queen said in a calm, dry voice, "Your Highness, you must trust His Highness." Her maid tried to console. The queen smiled wistfully. "This is all my fault." Her maid could not find words of comfort. "I suppose this will end when I am dead," said the queen as she moved on with heavy steps. Her eyes grew wet with tears. Hogyun took each step softly and kept a vigilant watch about him. He stepped into an old shed and found a man with a hood over his head kneeling and whimpering on the ground. Hogyun nodded at the guards, and the hood was pulled off of him. The man was none other than the clown from the previous night at the bar hall. The clown started chattering straight away. When the guard took his gag off, please, sirs, let me explain. I don't know who you are, but if this is about the nonsense I spewed last night, I object, sirs. The clown unloaded his excuses onto Hugyun, who stared back at him without an expression on his face, only adding to the clown's desperation. Hugyun bent down to take a closer look at the clown, who flinched. 
His Highness dallying with a court lady. This is complete hogwash, unthinkably so. But the more outrageous the story, the more it tempts the audience who keep riffraff like me in business. Get him to his feet. The clown now standing looked around the shed. He needed to know where he was so that he may think up the right excuse for the right person. But it seemed all hope was lost, for his opponent seemed impervious to his tricks. What is your name? Hogan asked the clown, whose eyes nervously darted about the room. Hassan, at your service. Hogan could not help but smile as he examined the nervous Hassan. He looked so much like the king. Pardon me, sir, but where am I? Hogan looked Hassan up and down for a moment. The king and Hassan were of similar height, and their voices were also somewhat alike. In a moment, you will have an audience with His Highness the King. Who? What? When he asks you a question, Hogan advised Hassan, who was still in a state of shock. You reply, "Yes, Your Highness." When you have to give him a long answer, you begin with begging your pardon, Your Highness. Hassan did not respond. His jaw still hanging open from the news. It seems you are hard of hearing. Hogan took a step back and raised his voice. I will repeat once more. A guard stepped forward and aimed his sword at Hassan's throat, who instantly awoke from his trance. Are we clear? Yes, sir, we are. Get him ready. Hogan left the shed. Hassan was gagged and hooded again. As night descended over the palace, torches were lit one by one. The king, striding across the yard with his attendants in tow, looked up at the office hall ahead. It was ludicrous to claim that the office hall was wearing an expression, but he could say for certain that the office hall he now stood facing did have an expression—an expression bursting with anticipation. When Kwang Hae opened the door and stepped into the office hall, Hassan, who was prostrate on the floor, grew stiff with fear. Kwang Hae's feet crossed the darkness and stopped in front of Hassan. Lift up your head. Hassan, wearing a royal robe over his commoner's clothes, carefully lifted his face. Kwang Hae held up Hassan's face by the chin and meticulously studied his visage, turning it this way and that. Hassan also took glimpses at the king's face as his own was examined. Hassan was as surprised as Kwang Hae was. They were so alike in looks that it was as if they were looking into a mirror. Repeat after me. Is anyone nigh? Yes, Your Highness. Didn't I say repeat after me? Yes, Your Highness. Fool! Is that all you ever say? Hassan kept his head bowed to the floor as he gave Hogyun a pleading look. Hogyun nodded at him as a sign of permission. A brief silence descended. Your Highness, begging your pardon. Hassan suddenly raised his head. A sure look of intent emerged on his face. Hassan had to impersonate the king at the request of the king. Hassan slowly raised his hand toward Kwang Hae's chin. The eyes of Ho Gyun and Yunuk Cho suddenly widened. Do Jinung, the king's bodyguard, soundlessly emerged and put his sword under Hassan's chin. Hassan's hand stopped when he felt the cold steel pressing against his throat. Let him be," said the king. Thank you.
Today I read from Kwang Hae by Lee Ju Ho and Hwang Jo Yoon. And the tracks we played in between were Somebody That I Used To Know by Gautier featuring Kimbra, followed by The King Is Dead by Kent. This week's quote is from The Beautiful Struggle, A Father, Two Sons, and An Unlikely Road to Manhood, a memoir by Tanahasi Coates. I did not know then that this is what life is. Just when you master the geometry of one world, it slips away, and suddenly again you're swarmed by strange shapes and impossible angles. Once again, that was from a memoir by Tanahasi Coates. We have arrived at the end of our show. To learn more about next week's topic, please visit our website. I'm Jamie Chang. Have a wonderful week, and I'll be back next Sunday at 10 with another brand new installation of The Bookend. Taking us out is Crawling Back to You by Daughtry.